Hey, Chris. Hey, Jason. How, How are you? Doing? Good, my friend. How are you? I am good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. How's your How's your new puppy? Um, he is good. Um, we're working on trying to sleep through the night. So, yes, that's always a fun transition. And <laughs> yes, I prefer to adopt animals that are older and yes. potty trained and sleeping through the night. There's a lot of wisdom to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice, but everybody's still having fun and yes, right the now puppy stages everybody's and... loving the puppy stage. So nice. it hasn't worn off. My kids are still huffing, so I know that that's gonna <laughs> right. that's gonna come at some point. I'm sure. Yeah, so, absolutely. But, you know, yeah, my daughters are doing our rock stars. They're working really well. My wife is taking it on, and so it's been working out fine. So that's cool. Whenever that's she cool. starts running out of steam, I go, "Okay, I'll take over tonight." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. So, but anyways, yeah. So we're good. How about how about you? Yeah, we're doing okay. Doing yeah. pretty good. Yeah. So, Everybody staying healthy still. That's so far so good. We're just gonna, good. Going to lean on that. Got to go to Iowa for the weekend and yes. see my daughter compete. Uh, How'd she's that a, go? Um, it, it went good. It went good. We had good. a good trip, and um, you know, this is her senior year, and right. last year of diving and Mild, big milestones. Um, man, what a what a stressful role to be a parent. You know, yeah. oh my goodness. So you got a perfectionist kiddo who wants to be perfect on every dive, and yeah. you're pulling for him. Man, it's it's hard. It's yes. hard. So, but man, what a journey. Been good. Good. So good. But, good. Yeah. So we're doing good. We're good. good. So. Well, um, I understand today mm-hmm. we have a exciting person coming on that I'm looking forward to chat with, yeah. but I know we've got some more information to go through that yes. you want to share that is kind of near and dear to your heart. A little bit, yeah. 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 So <laughs> why don't you tell yeah, us about are... the, the uh, I know we've been talking about the five voices, right? and I know that... I'm still narrowing down which five I am. Right. <laughs> and But I also know that you, one of your main ones is the creative voice. That's right. So That's right. Tell us, give Save us. Save the best for last? Uh, yes, no, I guess in your case. No. No, te- no one voice is more valuable than another. No. That is, that is know, true. That is a key component of this. But in certain circumstances... Yep. One voice might have a bigger benefit in that situation. Uh-huh. And so, um, you know, that's definitely part of it. So, yeah, we're on the fifth voice today. Um, we've covered the last. So, if you're just tuning in for the first time, um, we are, um, you know, kind of wrapping up this little series on this. And uh-huh. you can find out about your leadership voice. Um, there's links in the show notes to go and it's a free test, free assessment. It only takes about 15 minutes. Um, doesn't take long to kind of learn about your voice. There's free resources available online um, through through taking that test, uh, that assessment, that you can learn more about your voice, learn more about uh, your personality and how you deal with in situations. But And I assume that you've been putting information on our show notes for Exonimo and Yes, they, and they can access all this information. So yes, too. okay. Yes, great. and there, you know, beyond the free resources, um, there's you know, there's coaching available and things like that. Yes, so, yeah. Whether it's for an individual or for a team, okay, uh, for an organization, we uh, would love to help out with that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're jumping into the creative voice today, which um, again, you know, like one of our other, a couple of our other voices, creative does not necessarily mean maybe the way that we're defining it in our heads at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't just mean you you paint or you write or you create music. It's not just specifically talking about artistry. I mean, there's okay. a lot of um, incredible artists that are creative first voice, mm-hmm. um, but there's incredible artists with all the other four voices too. So um, creative 
in, in the five voices is talking about um, they're champions of future ideas. They are one of the most forward, um, future-oriented voices out of the five. And so they are always thinking about innovation. They're always thinking about future ideas, problem solving, and they're looking for trends. They're looking for things coming down the road um, and how that integrates with organizational integrity in particular. Um, as a, as an organization, as a team, are we living up to what we say? Do our actions match our words? And that's a huge value. Um, that integrity is huge for them. Okay. And so, um, our creatives, they are, they're conceptual architects. They love to think outside the box. Um, they're always, they're always dreaming up ways of doing things um, differently or better or for changing circumstances or things like that. They function as an early warning radar system for teams and organizations mm-hmm. that because they're so future oriented, they're not just, they're not just looking toward the future. They're standing on their tiptoes <laughs> looking beyond, you know, the, the foreseeable horizon of going, you know, this might be coming down the road. This might be coming down the road. We need to be ready for that as an organization. And so they're throwing up those, those caution flags for organizations and they can see opportunities. Maybe it's a market opportunity, something with a product of, of going, Hey, we can, well, we can be ahead of the game. Hmm. You know, or maybe they're seeing a danger coming down the road, um, you know, and just saying, hey, this this may not be going well. We should probably pay attention to this. We should come up with some solutions here. Hmm. Um, you know, a great example, uh, just, to, just to throw one out there, um, you know, is one of the infamous examples of Steve Jobs creating the iPhone, mm-hmm. that um, his thing was people don't know they want this yet. Yes. But he's looking so far into the future going, you know, this is people are gonna people are gonna love this. And it turns out they he, he was kind of right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, but uh, creatives typically are never satisfied with the status quo. Hmm. They always believe um, things can can be better. Um, you know whether that's a system, it's a product, it's a resource, it's a a relationship. Even they always think there's we we can take the next steps in this. There's always something. Um, vision is huge for the creatives. Creatives love vision. They love um, something compelling that's pushing into the future, that's solving an opportunity or avoiding a danger down the road. And often the word can't is not in their vocabulary. Mm. They are ready to ready to move. They're ready to achieve, jump into that future position. Um, and it's not a it's it's not a will we make it? It's when will we make it? Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're looking forward to that. Um, Creatives can often struggle, though, with the fact that um, people never fully understand to get their ideas, that maybe it's uh, a communication issue, mm-hmm. that because the, the future is such a, um, you know, a moving, moving target, mm-hmm. right, that understanding exactly how we're going to solve that problem may not come clearly through their communication. Mm-hmm. So the first time that they communicate an idea, it just may it just may miss the target altogether. <laughs> um, or because they're looking so far down the road, there's issues that they see coming, and they're offering solutions to things that nobody else sees yet. Mm-hmm. And so you have to understand, you have to grasp that problem before the solution can be understood. And so a lot of times, creatives struggle with that, that people just don't quite fully get it sometimes. Um, but they exhibit a very strong social conscience. They desire personal and organizational integrity. And so if, as an organization, you say, you know, we, we value people. Mm-hmm. Well, the creatives are the one asking, show me how. 
How are yeah. we doing that? And when an organization makes a decision or makes a mo- motion that violates that core principle, creatives see that. They feel it. They that 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 sense is very deep for them. That they want that integrity be true, not just in their personal life, but as an organization as well. Um, creatives are perfectionists internally. They they love to see projects done a hundred percent, and hmm. they want to see it done perfect. Um, but they can often fail to celebrate when you hit that 90% part. Mm. That They see that additional 10% of, well, we didn't achieve this. We didn't quite get there. Um, they're not quite ready to celebrate. And so a creative that might be in leadership of, of an organization or a team or a business um, may always be just pushing for that, that perfection, for that completion, and never celebrating what advancement has been made. Mm-hmm. And so they're just they just keep pushing, they keep pushing. And because of that, sometimes even creatives have a hesitancy to launch a project because they know they can't achieve hundred percent yet. Hmm. that the solution, the the strategy, the the working to get there hasn't quite been proven that, hey, we can hit hundred percent perfection, and so I'm gonna hold off on that. Hmm. I'm gonna wait just a little while. And so your creatives are, the champions of the future ideas in your company. If you've got somebody coming to you going, "Oh, we could, we could do such and such," they're they're looking down the road. They're seeing something, hmm. um, either as an early early warning system or an opportunity in the market that that you may want to listen to as a leader. Yeah. Um, they love innovation. They love that integra- uh, the integrity of the organization. That those values, those um, those things are being taken care of. Um, on a daily basis, in our actions and our words across mm-hmm. across the board, um, creatives can you know, like we said, can struggle to communicate effectively. And so, if you have a creative on your team, or if you're a creative, mm-hmm. don't um, don't just give one shot and think, oh, that didn't work. Yeah, <laughs> come back to the table or ask that creative. Say, you know what, I. I I hear what you're saying, but can you phrase it a little bit differently? Well, I'll be honest with you, Jason. We've had a time or two where you've told me something, and it's taken me a minute to absorb what you were talking about. And so uh, this is this is helps me better understand you yeah. because I know it has taken me a minute, or make or I've had to ask more questions, I guess, because I didn't get it right out of the gate. Right. But yeah, it's been right. great to see yeah. that in you as well. So if you yeah, so if you have an creative, um, giving some of that pushback. Mm-hmm. Of clarifying questions, of what are you really saying? What are you really? What's the problem that you see coming down the road? What's mm-hmm. the opportunity that you see? Because often, I know I jump into solutions yeah. without clearly defining the problem oh. or the opportunity, yeah. and people are going, "Why are we even talking about this?" Right? You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, uh, there's another tool that we use at Giant um, called Provision Plan and Promise. Um, it's three categories that when you make a promise, that is your word. There is nothing that's going to keep you from achieving whatever you just promised. Mm-hmm. And so that's something you guard really closely. A plan is something, hey, I put it in the family calendar. Right. You know, unless so, you know, unless an emergency happens, I'm planning on doing this. Right. Um, provision is it's just that. It's an idea. Mm-hmm. It's provisional. And as a creative, I love to live in that provisional space. Right. <laughs> You know, that um, even if I have a solid process for doing something, mm-hmm. every time I do that process, I'm always thinking, there's got to be a better way. 
Right. You know, we can, we can improve on this somewhat. Even if it's just 1%, I, we can improve on this. There's a better way. You haven't even started it, and you're already saying that. Oh, yeah, yeah. By the time I start something, I've probably gone through 20,000 <laughs> revisions just to get there. Um, yeah, and it all plays out in my mind quietly, silently, you know. <laughs> That's too funny. Um, but, you know, if uh, if you're a guardian voice, you're mm-hmm. a pioneer voice, um, you know, you're you're one that that really appreciates that due diligence. Mm-hmm. It appreciates the, the the getting things done, the checklist. Um, you know, know that your your creatives are always thinking of better ways, mm-hmm. and there may or may not be a better way. Right. And creatives need to feel the permission to be wrong sometimes. That it's okay. That things coming down the horizon that you, that that you see may not always pan out because mm-hmm. something else takes it another direction. Yeah, you know, that's just our world, right? We right. live in a complex world, and so it's okay to be wrong, and it's okay to um, share those ideas a couple of times uh, to try and you know just work your words out, right? Work your ideas out. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So that's our creative. And um, again, if um, you know you want to learn more about your voice, how that impacts your team, um, you know, and learning as a team, each yeah. other's voices, so that you create better connection, you create better communication. It's uh, it's very valuable. So we've well, got a friend named Mike Ganley Mike. coming on here in a moment. Yes, man. Super excited to talk I'm, with you. I think this interview is going to be really good. I do too. And um, I'm looking forward to this. Mike has um, owned a few businesses along the way, and I think uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit. But Mike currently serves as a recruiter uh, within the financial world, within the banking and, right. um, institutions like that. And he helps people jump from one position to another or you know, helps banks fill those those gaps that they, uh, need. That they need. And mm-hmm. so we're going to jump in and listen to... Mike's wisdom for the world. There we go. Let's do that. Well, Mike, thanks for joining us today. I know that uh, you're a busy fellow, so I'm super excited that you're getting to hang out with us. And uh, tell us, let's let's get to know you. Okay. Give us some uh, wisdom on on your past. Oh, on my past. Yeah, start. I was born in St. Louis. Okay. Um, moved away before I remembered. Um, we moved a whole bunch when I was young. And then my mom got really sick. And so then I would go back and live with my grandparents off and on and go to school with my cousins in St. Louis. Oh. Um, so I really love Italian food because my cousin's family is Italian. And so that was kind of how that worked. But I spent most of my childhood in St. Louis and Terre Haute. Okay. And so cool. kind of went from there. Um, let's see. Went to college at Indiana State. Um, from Indiana State, that's when I started transitioning to the business world. And what's, what, what, um, what's your degree in? Did you? Uh, finance. Finance. Okay. Is that something that you've always known that you wanted to do? Yes, very much so. And okay. I just always, numbers are easy for me. They, they they come easily to me. So, yeah. Okay. Very cool. Tell us about your family. Tell how you've kind of gotten to this point. Um, wow. Uh, my father passed away about three years ago. But, uh, oh, when I was young, we had a cantankerous relationship, but really patched it up and had a really good relationship till he passed away there. And uh, he worked in Terre Haute. That's how I got to Terre Haute. Moved me to Minneapolis for my high school years and then back to Terre Haute. I never forgave him for that. Um, <laughs> and, uh, Minneapolis is a great place if you can ice skate. Right. 
but I have to sharpen my angles on skates, and uh, yeah. It's cold. Yes, it is really cold. <laughs> and so, but no, so then from there, um, we went to, when I got done with that, when we got back, that relationship really kind of warmed up. My mom lives in Florida now, and she's incredible. She's 85 and teaches Zumba, okay? Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> awesome. She's in great shape. That's awesome. Um, because of that, she's in really good health, and everything's going well. Um, she's just amazing to me. If I can be in half that kind of shape when I'm her age, right? I'll feel really good. You guys start yeah. with Zumba? Uh, maybe I'll miss the Zumba piece. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Cool. cool. Very cool. That's, go ahead. No, you're up. And then um, Susie and I met in 11 years ago now, and it was not our first marriage. We got married, um, and I was at that point in my life where I told myself I wasn't going to get married again. You know how all that is. Uh -huh. And I had just come to Christ, like, in the year and a half before I met her. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and then so I started... Slowly, and I still have to learn to do better about this, giving things over to God. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's not something I do naturally. I, I have to fight that, to be honest. Absolutely. Um, but uh, so I, I dated her one time, and I thought, wow, this woman's incredible. And I thought, okay. And the next thing I knew, I was married and had three stepchildren who were teenagers. And luckily, they were open-minded and very forgiving, and uh, it worked out. <laughs> That's, awesome. That's gold so, in the teenage years. Oh, right. it was like, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> wow. And they were, they were great kids, and That's we have awesome. a great relationship now. So, yeah, That's it's cool. really worked well. And I hear you got grandkids. We have four grandchildren. That's we have amazing. Ada, who's six. We have Calvin, who's two. We have Gabriel, who's 10 months, and Caleb, who's Three months now. Oh, oh my so, goodness! So, yeah, we're having fun. Wow, that is so cool. Oh, yeah. we love that. We that's love so that. cool. That's a big part of our lives. That's how we, that's how we recharge over the weekends. We get a little. Absolutely. If you can hold a baby for an hour or two, boy, the whole world gets the right perspective for me at least. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Well, tell us a little bit about your professional journey since college, um, kind of what you've been doing with your finance degree and okay. <laughs> the world since. I got out. I went to work for a bank in Indiana called American Fletcher National Bank. It's been gobbled up a couple times since then, <laughs> but at the time was the biggest bank in Indiana. Um, when they were going through the acquisition, I knew I needed to get a new job. I was in charge of setting up what was called limited service branches because they didn't allow cross-county or cross-state banking yet or mm -hmm. interstate banking. And they just passed the law where they were going to allow it. So I knew I had to go do something different. Um, I got wooed by a fabulous title for the world's tiniest bank in Illinois, Crispin, Illinois. And, but I was the executive vice president. Okay, so hey. 27, that's a big deal. Right. Um, and then that bank sold. And so I said, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and um, one of the board members at the bank said, hey, you need to talk with my son. He's the EVP of this insurance company. And so I talked with him. He got me a job. I was a district manager for Indiana and Illinois, and then Indiana, Illinois, and Missouri. And then I, he moved to another company, and I worked that same job for Michigan for him, and then started a commercial insurance agency 
when one of my prior employers had got out of commercial insurance because I had done a lot of that and started that in 92 and did that till 2004. Mm-hmm. Um, I had built out some uh, mortgage brokerages with some of my clients um, and then sold all that in 2004, had some non-competes. And one of my friends said, hey, you're a good networker. You should go be a recruiter. And so I looked into that. And next thing I knew, I was a recruiter. That was 2005, and I've done it ever since. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoy it a lot. And you have a specialty with your recruiting, right? Yes. I do basically banks and credit unions and what they call independent mortgage banks or mortgage companies um, and just specialize in that niche. And for those that don't know exactly what a recruiter does, can you explain that to us? Sure. Um, especially for banks who are in lots of small towns, lots of times with their locations, what they end up doing is they end up having to have somebody who's like a high-end commercial lender in maybe a more rural area who understands ag lending Uh or maybe in a really big city like Indianapolis and they need to find a commercial lender and need somebody like yesterday because they have somebody about to retire or who's left or something like that. Um, so what they'll do is they'll engage us and pay us a fee and say, look, we need that person. How long will it take you to get them? And we'll usually say, oh, that'll take 60 or 90 days for them to be at their desk for you. And what we'll do is go out and find the right person to match up to them. So you take their qualifications and then try to find the right person exactly. to fit those qualifications. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And then do you ever do it in the reverse where you have a person? I do. I started in 2008, and it was kind of like when I first became a Christian. And I said, okay, I want to try and get some sort of ministry going here. Yeah. And in 2008, the banks were just hurting in a big way because the stock right. market had crashed. Right. It was a rough Real year. estate had crashed, everything. <clears throat> so I started helping people who got laid off or riffed by their company. And instead of the client hiring me, I would go to different potential clients and say, look, I've got a person you should hire. Mm-hmm. And they have these skill sets. Do you need that? And it'd take a lot of calls sometimes, but I would mm-hmm. find somebody who would, and then they'd say, yes, okay, yeah, if you've got that, I would go and pay your fee, and we'll do that. Mm-hmm. So about a third of my placements has end, have ended up being that That's since neat. then. So it's kind of fun. Yeah, it feels it's very rewarding. That's it's a awesome. very positive experience because you're helping somebody get a new job, right. and it's obviously a job they wanted right. and hopefully has the improvements they wanted. So, yeah, very yeah. positive thing. I enjoy it very much. Cool. Tell us a little bit about the process of working with these people who are, you know, they're, <clears throat> they've are they lost their job or, or whatnot. They're unemployed. You know, they've probably got a lot of fear, and, you know, they feel like their hope for tomorrow isn't so great. Um, what, are, what are some of the things that you guys work through um, as part of that placement? First thing we do is we try to identify what their goals are. And, and I try to get them focused on where they want to go rather than where they've been. Nice. And so what I'm trying to figure out is what are their professional, their personal, and their financial goals. We call that a scorecard where I work. Mm-hmm. And just trying to get a sense of who they are and where they want to get going. But the other thing we're trying to do is also help them with the situation they're in. Mm-hmm. So I'll talk to them about it and say, look, you're not just looking for the job, you're looking for a job. So we're going to create criteria for both. Mm-hmm. What's like minimum criteria of a job you take? And at the time of 2008, there was a lot of minimum jobs I placed people because mm-hmm. they needed to get a paycheck. And 
as we've gotten into like 2022, banking's on fire. I mean, there are roughly, I believe, about a half a million to a million more jobs than there are candidates just in banking. Really? And right now? Yeah. Wow. wow. And so that's more helping the candidate find the job, which is right. really nice. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a lot more work to finding that person and that sort of thing. But they'll mm-hmm. call me when maybe their boss left or their company has changed ownership and they don't like it now, those sorts of things. Right. So, yeah, yeah. have fun with that. Very cool. Wow. Very cool. There's a lot of intricate details to that, isn't there? Yeah, like anything. Like when when you tell me that you're remodeling somebody's house, my level of understanding is kind of like the kiddie pool level, okay? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I know there's a ton of intricacies that go into everything from the flooring to the walls to the electrical to the plumbing. It's very similar to that. Okay. Yeah. Neat. Yeah. Neat. I'm curious. You don't mind me asking. Um, most of your people that that during your 2008 or even to this day where who are unemployed, do a lot of them have those goals, or, or is that part of something that you're just trying to coach them through to help them understand that this is an important thing to help you move forward? That's a great question. I think everybody has them in an informal way or kind of indirect. Okay, way. having them really think about it, mm-hmm. focus on it, and say, okay, yes, this is where I want to be today, three years, five years from now, right. and here's the path I want. Does this company that I'm interviewing with match up to that? Mm-hmm. Are they going to be able to provide me with my goals and the things I need to provide for my family mm-hmm. to go ahead and reach my career goals? Right. Oh, I, and will it, by the way, do I have to commute over an hour to get there or something right. crazy? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Cool. Yeah. That was really cool. Well, tell us, um, what's one of the biggest challenges you feel like you've had to overcome along your journey? Whew. When I became a Christian in 2008, prior to that, my biggest focus was on money. Mm. I, I mean, it was how I was measured for what I did. Right. You know what I mean? True. And, yeah. and when, you're self, when you're self-employed, you know, yep. it's like, okay, this isn't just my wherewithal that's on the line. All my employees are relying on me. And oh, by the mm-hmm. way, my wife really wants to make sure we got bread on the table tonight. So right. I became too focused on that. Hmm. And that was the the wonderful thing. I found myself alone, laying in my bed one night on a cold winter's night, saying, where the heck am I? My son's in Iraq, and I'm worried to death. I don't know what to do. And for the first time in decades, I went to church Mm -hmm. and uh, just started my journey back to Christ that way. And it really helped me a lot. But I still... I still have that will jump up too quick sometimes. I say, wait a minute, whoop, 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 back down. Mm. Money's mm-hmm. not the first most important thing here. Yeah. This is. And it's hard. I mean, I don't know, like you said, we're self, self-employed. It's hard not to bring that number into play, right? Because oh. at some place, it's a measurable that you have to stay I have to aware of it. Yes. Because if not, there's so many other things that fall, exactly. that have to fall in place because of it. Exactly. And keeping that priority in the right spot, right? that's probably one of my biggest challenges because mm. um, I'm competitive and I'm, I'm a people person. And I like to go out there and, yeah, succeeding to me is kind of something that's real important. I was in athletics when I was younger, so I just yeah. have that yeah. kind of the nature to me. Mm-hmm. And so toning that down and first going to God, asking God, hey, is this the direction I should be going? Right. How should I be going about this? Guide me, Lord. Boy, 
I'm still working on that. I'm yeah. getting better, <laughs> but well, I'm still working. And it's a process too, right? Oh, I mean, like, amen. I mean, like I said, it's it's one of those things that kind of pops back up. It's got that's got uh, yes, sir. It's a measurable that can't go away. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Good so words. if we can take that just a step further, and I'll put both of you guys on the hot speed seat for this. Um, when those numbers, you know, yes, it's measurable. It has to be there. But when those numbers start taking priority, what does that feel like within, you know, if somebody listening, an entrepreneur, you know, and they're just, they're going week to week, day to day, and they're, they're feeling whatever this is, but they're not able to identify it. How would you characterize that feeling of this is out of whack? Well, you go first. I'll, oh, no, I'll no, pick. I was hoping that <laughs> you go first. <laughs> I was trying to be polite. You, you know? got, you've got more wisdom than I do. I'm just, <laughs> I'm still wrapping my head around this. This is good. Yeah. Go ahead. All right, I'll try it. Yeah, go for it. Um, the, the times when it really starts mattering the most is when business gets slow mm-hmm. and you're not making money. Right. Mm. And you have obligations to your wife, your children, your friends, your community. And you feel like you're letting them down. Uh-huh. That's uh-huh. the first thing that that feeling hits. Uh-huh. And so you got to separate the feeling from what you need to do. And that's the first thing that's hard for me. I got to sit down and say, all right, how do I feel about this? How am I doing with this? How am I treating others because of how I feel? Right. Um, the second thing I have to do is I have, all right, now I know this. Let's embrace the brutal facts of the situation. Is this a total cut, cut your bait and we're done here? Mm-hmm. Or what has to happen to fix this and improve it? Mm-hmm. And now let's do the research of finding out mm-hmm. and go on it. But the time and effort and energy that has to go into it is greater than usual. So now you become even more focused on it, which can lead to you getting too focused on the money because mm-hmm. you're spending so many extra hours you're working – Let's say you work eight and a half to nine hours a day. Now you're working 10 to 10 and a half hours a day right. to try and make this happen. Mm. So I think that's the biggest challenge as I look at it. How about you? Yeah. No, I, I I think that's great wisdom. I think that, uh, you know, it's like you said, it's in the slower times where you truly feel that pinch of how am I treating those around me and am I still taking care of them and am I um, reacting uh, more harshly because knowing that that metric's not being hit, and I, those are great, great words of wisdom because I think it's it's those times that are also. I mean, it, everybody has them in their business, right? I mean, at some level, and um, and some businesses are seasonal, so they know they're going to have them, and so it's just a matter of. Um, and then you, like you said, trying to do the right things during that time, or is it just something that you need to just cut the bait and be done? And looking for, towards the future, you can say, hey, this is, is this a, just a momentary thing or is this something that's, that's just um, it's going to continue to happen and we're missing the mark? Yeah. And so I really appreciated all that, that information because that, I completely agree with it. And I think that um, those are great things. It's just a, um, moving forward, I think that those, are, those are great assessment questions. That I don't know that you can, if you're not looking at, are just you're, you're missing the point. You're missing the purpose of of the bigger the bigger picture. Failure is the easier time for me to turn to prayer and to turn to God. Yes, Amen. Success, on the other hand, 
has its own little twisted little things I got to watch out for because now everything's going great. Right. Mm -hmm. And and now I'm like, wow, this is all good. And I got to pause and say, wait a minute, this is good because God's made it good. Amen. Not because of anything I've done. That's the other trip or the other hurdle I have to watch out for on that piece. I don't know about you, but that's what what, what I do really great at something. Uh It's like, wait a minute, I didn't do good. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't do that, Michael. No, 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 no. God's God's doing good through you. Yes, Yes, exactly. Absolutely. So... Those are the, and so either, too much of either one, you know, the, the old saying that uh, the problem is too little or too much money. Yeah, there's, mm-hmm. there's a sense of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, what That's do you good. love most about recruiting? Thank, and by the way, thanks for letting me take that into a really deep emotional moment. Y'all sure. <laughs> tapping into. <laughs> thanks. Um, for me, recruiting, what I love most is when I get somebody the job they wanted, I helped a lady who I'll leave out of this for right now. Um, she's just oh, she got she got rift, and her mom has been diagnosed with cancer. Oh wow! So she's all these things whammy. for her, all these things are just raining down on her. Right. Okay. Mm. And she sits down and she said, calls me. She says, "Look, I've accepted the job, and I really appreciate you." And that's like, oh man. Yes, thank you, God. <laughs> you know, it's like, wow, the feeling that you feel that God uses you to do that for somebody. Right. Mm, yes, that's, that's why I do what I do. Mm. Yeah. Yes. If I can help somebody in that little space where I'm good at, mm-hmm. yeah. Do you dance around the house then? Um, no, but my voice gets really loud and Susie turns the white noise machine up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's awesome. awesome. <laughs> well, what is uh, what's some of the the resources that you lean on um, to make it through your work, through your job, through your day? Prayer, prayer helps me a lot. Mm. Um, it's funny. I don't know how is what you guys pray. Like I pray in the morning and I pray in the evening, and then I have little conversations with God through the day. But yeah, those right. are my heavy times. And when I know when I've got a lot on my mind. I'll start praying, and it usually takes me about 15, 20 minutes to pray. And I'll look up, and I've been praying for like 35 or 40 minutes. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this is heavy stuff. <laughs> I know I've got a load today. So, but yeah. So that that's that's how I kind of deal with the hard times mm-hmm. um, and, and kind of go to it. I also have fabulous friends and family who bless me. I mean, God has blessed me with some great people in my life. And I'm one of those people who I need to talk through a situation with mm-hmm. people. If I try to do this all by myself, I'm not going to get anywhere. But if I can get somebody with some wisdom that really knows me well, who will take the time to listen to what I'm challenged with, mm-hmm. and then say, you know, Mike, I don't think it's as big a deal as you think it is. Or, boy, you got a situation here. Mm-hmm. And they may even say, you know, you ought to talk to John Doe or Mary Brown about this kind of thing and say, they could maybe talk to you about how you could solve that. Mm. Um, so yes, that's that's yeah. kind of my methodology. Okay, for it. I, I seek out people yeah. who are close to me. So what's um, what's maybe the best piece of advice you've ever received over the years? Wow, um, take it to God. 
take mm-hmm. it to God. That's, that's yeah. And it took me a long time to get there. Yeah, I mean, it's funny when you first asked me the question, I could feel my mind kind of rolling through five <laughs> or six different answers, and, and then all of a sudden the right one just hit. Oh, yeah, that was the one. That was the one that really changed my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't do that. Jeez. You know, when I was young, we grew up in a Catholic household. I went to church and that sort of thing. But it was very formal. And there was a time frame, I think I prayed, and I was quasi-connected to God, but I drifted away. Um, Our family stopped going to church when I was uh, about 12, 13 years old, and so I kind of drifted away from God. And it Mm -hmm. wasn't until I was almost 50 till I Mm. came back. Oh, wow. So, Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, you know, a lot of our listeners are not, um, may or may not be uh, people of faith. Um, have you know, uh, have leaned on prayer, have leaned on the advice of take it to God. Um, so, just give us a moment of how does your faith, um, prayer, um, you know, being able to take things to God, how has that shaped your your philosophy? And how you work with people, because it's clear, I think, um, that that you have a huge heart for other people, mm-hmm. that you you celebrate their wins as your own. And um, so, how has how has your faith kind of developed your philosophy of how you work with people? Um, how has that been instrumental in developing that? In the beginning, it, it's kind of like more scientific when you don't have faith. And by that, I mean you're talking to somebody and you're building up relationships and you're following the book. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? When you're sitting mm-hmm. down following the book with people, you're sitting down saying, okay, you told me you needed this. I'm going to bring you that. We'll do this. We'll get this done, and you're going to pay me this much, and I'll be done. When you bring God into those things, prayer, for instance, Prayer, everybody knows the value of meditation. I mean, it's been proven if you read Mm -hmm. from Harvard reports and everything else. Meditation has value. So part of prayer for me is just that. I'm being with God, and it's helping clear my mind and just kind of saying that check of, how do I actually feel about all these things? Uh And how am I doing with this? Because I'm praying to God to help me with it. And as I'm praying to God to help me with it, I'm thinking about the things that I'm struggling with. Uh And that's the first part. The second part, which is the God thing, is how do you respond to that? Uh The God thing is, all right, now that I'm here, how do I respond to this the way God would want me to? Uh You know, the old over-abuse phrase, what would Jesus do? But yeah, Yeah. it really does Mm -hmm. mean that in the sense that okay, I've meditated on this. I know what the problem is. I know what the issue is. So rather than me just addressing it with what I think is right, which is what you do when you don't have faith, what God gives you is the guidelines. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Which is, to me, so securing. Because, Mm -hmm. oh, I know I'm doing the right thing. It may not work, but this is the right way. Right. That's my guess. Okay. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Um, another person that may be listening, you know, because we're in the middle of the Great Resignation, right? <laughs> you know, there's you, uh, you know, there's tons of job openings available, tons yes. of job seekers, yes. people thinking maybe I'm not in the right industry, uh-huh. you know, things like that. Um, what's one thing that that maybe um, 
that maybe people don't realize about the recruiting process. That if they're sitting there going, do I need to contact a recruiter like you? I mean, you know, what what's something they don't maybe don't realize about that process and how it can help them? You may not need a recruiter. And it just depends on the relationship and how you do it. What I think a recruiter can help you do, if they're good at what they do, is we just, and I can connect it to the conversation we just having. The hardest thing we do when we get in tough situations like this, you know, like big moves for what's going to affect our lives, Mm -hmm. is our emotions jump in. Mm -hmm. And the biggest mistake I see people make is they make an emotional decision. They get mad Mm -hmm. at their boss and they quit. They, you know, or they they go out and say something publicly about somebody they don't like. And and (laughs) instead of dealing with the issue, they just kind of verbally abuse people throughout it. All sorts of different emotional ways of Mm -hmm. kind of dealing with it. Mm -hmm. And what I think a recruiter can help you do, if they're good, is kind of what I was talking about, is try to let you recognize, look, that emotion's real, and I respect it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just got rift or your boss, you just changed and your new boss is a true blue jerk, I respect that. And I know how you must feel and how angry you are or upset you are or worried you are and those kinds of things. But first, identifying that those are legit feelings. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I respect that. But then let's make this decision without those in it. Mm-hmm. How do we get you to where you want to be one year, three years, five years now down the road? And that's how a recruiter can help. If you go outside of a recruiter and maybe an old boss is trying to recruit you out of your job and you're trying to figure out, is this the right thing or not? Mm-hmm. Boy, first of all, yes, prayer <laughs> in a big yeah. way for me. But mm-hmm. let's say you're a person not of faith. Go to a mentor. Go to somebody and talk with them about it and lay it out. And they'll have a perspective that's better than yours because you will have those emotions mm-hmm. that are going to affect how you see the situation. Mm-hmm. And then a little thing that can really kind of help. If you've ever thought about, oh, what what would it be like to have God in my life for that sort of thing? Talk to somebody you know and trust about that subject and say, mm-hmm. what if I brought God into this? How would that impact this? What would that feel like? That'd be my guess. Yeah. One one thing that you uh, you mentioned um, when we first started, when we were talking about people who don't um, that might need a recruiter. How do you you said you know if they're good at what they do? How do you know if somebody is a decent recruiter? Because like I don't like you obviously have some sort of standard that you you would say that that I would think most you know for a decent recruiter. How do you know? Oh, the buzzword today is KPIs or key productivity indexes, okay? How's that for a wonderful term, all right? (laughs) Reality is everybody has metrics they're measured by. Okay. Um, If you are... Is that public knowledge something that you, as a a recruiter, um, you share with other people? It's industry knowledge, I would say, like your industry's knowledge. Like, you know if somebody's a master carpenter, Mm -hmm. that's not somebody you have to supervise a lot, okay? Okay. this is a guy or gal who just goes out there, bam, 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 and the nail goes in in two hits, okay? Right. <laughs> and it's just like, wow, okay. <laughs> right. And it's just an amazing skill for a right. builder. You know what I'm saying? Right. Or that plumber who goes out and says, wow, I know what that is. <laughs> and right. you just go, wow, okay, great, thank you. <laughs> right. Um, yes, very much so. Okay. 
So uh-huh. it's something that if I was looking for a recruiter or somebody that's listening is looking for a recruiter, then they're trying to find somebody who has industry knowledge, industry knowledge because of their area that they're looking for. Yes. Cause it's, it is very much a industry specific, like recruiters have, are somewhat industry specific. Say you're looking for a pastor. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about our business. Let's look at <clears throat> Jason and what he's doing. Let's say you're looking for a new pastor. You need somebody who really understands the network of pastors mm-hmm. in greater Indianapolis, Indiana, or the Midwest, maybe. Mm-hmm. And you want somebody who can achieve these three things for your church. And whatever those three things are. Maybe you want to get 200 new people in your church. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things you're going to look for is past abilities and the skills they've had Uh will influence what they can do in the future. Uh If you've seen that they've built up three churches in their past, and they took a church of 50 to 300 and a church of 75 to 250, et cetera, Uh or a church of 250 to 1,000, you have a way of measuring that. You have a way of seeing, okay, this is somebody who knows how to build a church in a community or knows how to build this portion of a church in a community, which is probably even more important. Mm -hmm. And there are people who understand what those skills are, and not only just understand what those skills are, but now can help you identify maybe even some skills you didn't know you needed Uh to help accomplish your goals. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hmm. That's good. Very cool. Well, Mike, any last word of advice or wisdom you want to hand out uh, maybe, maybe to those who are who are searching, who are just trying to figure out the next steps in their path. Um, any last thing you want to say? Boy, the two things I would just kind of repeat, and uh, we get repetitious as we get older. I think <laughs> 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 is boy prayer, and if you're not a person of faith yet, talk to somebody who's a mentor or a friend who can give you good guidance as you're looking Mm -hmm. down this road. Mm Because it's a hard place when you're in those places. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for being with us today and sharing all your wisdom. Like, I... I I could sit here for another hour and still I talk. Know, so it's just a pleasure. Now, yeah. how um, how could somebody get in touch with you if they have further questions or if they're in banking and you know looking oh, for a change? I'm on LinkedIn. Um, it's just Mike Ganley. Um, I am also. Oh, let's see. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on all those things. But LinkedIn's probably the LinkedIn's best LinkedIn's spot. Okay. Yeah, that, that's uh-huh. really kind of a. How do you spell your last name? G like in George. A N L Y. Perfect. Super easy. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you, man. Thanks. Jason, I, you know, I really enjoyed today. It was great to, I, I know Mike and it was just great Mm -hmm. to, to learn a little bit more about Mike and everything that he does. Um, just because I didn't know all the different facets that he has going on with his job and right. all the different things that go on with being a recruiter. I've always been intrigued with the, you know, the, 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 oppor- the job opportunities that come with recruiters, but I've never really known anybody that does it. Right. <laughs> right. So it was just great to talk with him and especially with such a, a neat diverse background of owning some businesses and being management and mm-hmm. going through some different things. So it was really great to talk with him today. 
yeah, I've had the opportunity to work with Mike on a leadership board here at the church. Uh, he's been on our church council in the past, and well, he's currently actually. And you know, he has such a huge heart, and I've always known that. But to see it come through for you know the people that he's helping place in yes. banks and institutions around the area is just—it's phenomenal. Right. That this isn't just something you know. You know, he likes people on the weekends, and he's got a right. business in the middle. You right. know, <laughs> um, but man, he truly, just genuinely has a huge heart mm-hmm. for others, and so just loves their success, mm-hmm. uh, which is hard to find these days. That's a, yes, completely agree. Somebody that's out for somebody else's good. Yeah, like it's like what you really like. That's what your goal is. Yeah. Yes. It yeah. is Refreshing. He celebrates their more their success more than his own. Yes, um, is just huge. What a mm-hmm. that's the kind of guy you want on your team. Totally, totally. You know. The fact that I mean, when he's talking about light, and he lights up when people call back and tell you, tell him thank you for helping me. I really yes. appreciate you. I mean, like that. That means more than money. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. So, you know what I also appreciate about him is he is. You know, you're talking about his passion about passion for other people, and mm-hmm. he is. You know, he's passionate about his faith and how yeah. much of a role it plays in his life. And and obviously, you know, um, he he said that he came to Christ in I think in 2008. I think is what he said, mm-hmm. or ballpark time frame. <clears throat> and it's just amazing. Uh, it seems like to me how how much at peace he is with what he's doing, and then being able to share that passion with other people. So it was really um, great for uh, to be able to sit here and listen to his heart about that as well. Right. And yeah. that, that um, you know, and like his heart for others, mm-hmm. his heart for God is right in the midst of his business. It's right in the midst of his home life, his family life, his church life. Um, Mike, is, Mike is one of those real deals who mm-hmm. is the same Mike in every realm of life. Right. And I, I love that type of integrity, mm-hmm. authenticity about a person. That's really, really cool. Yeah, I mean, it is It is definitely... We definitely live in a world where people put on multiple hats in different mm-hmm. situations where they can't... They're still trying to find themselves in different spaces where Mike is definitely... Mike is Mike. doesn't yeah. matter what the situation is. Absolutely. So well, I really appreciate that about him. Yeah, and so if you're listening, wondering, you know, all right... Leading is serving. Well, being authentic with others is, totally is a form gift. of that. Absolutely. Yes. And so, yeah. So we hope you guys will, um, you know, like and subscribe and yes. shoot, shoot us an email, shoot us a question. Let us know if you've got something on your heart that you're mm-hmm. curious about. And um, if you're in the finance world and need um, some help, Mike yeah. is out there and he let us know that uh, you can get a hold of him. On Look LinkedIn. him up on LinkedIn. We'll, yeah. we'll put his link in the show notes. And um, yeah. So, yeah. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Chris. And you Talk. guys keep leading and serving, doing well. Sounds good.